0: Hey everyone, welcome back to the All Things Gymnastics Podcast. I'm Ashley. And I'm Brittany. And this is the podcast where we talk about all things gymnastics. And today we will be sharing our thoughts on the U.S. Olympic team, who made it, who didn't, maybe who should have made it. And we also talk a little bit more about our experience as fans in the stands at Olympic trials. With that being said, we also wanted to let you guys know that we have some Olympic team merch up on our T-Public site right now. This will only be available for a limited time, and it's the perfect time to get it, honestly, because the Olympics are just about two weeks away. Also, we want to add Grace McCallum's mom will be repping the merch, so that's even more of a reason why you should also be wearing it. (laughs) So we'll have the link to that on our site, which will also be in the description down below, and we hope you guys enjoy it. Before we actually get into the episode, we want to real quickly thank our gold level Patreon supporters. So a big thank you to Kevin K, Karina G, Maya A, Becca S, Nina L, DFP, Blake B, Elaine E, Rye Dog, Faith M, Kristen R, Lori S, Sabrina M, Amy C, and Erica S. Thank you so much for your continued support of our podcast at the highest tier level and we've actually been getting quite a bit of new listeners lately so we wanted to just give a quick rundown of what our Patreon actually is, what the perks are, and kind of what the money is used for. So you can become a Patreon from anywhere from like $1 a month all the way up to $5 a month. It just depends on what tier level you want to be and there's different perks for each tier level. Some of the perks include having a shout out in the episode like we just did where we list off all of the names of the gold level patreon supporters we also give the opportunity for you guys to ask questions to our guests and know who's going to be on the show before anybody else gets to know so our patreon listeners are the first to know we also do occasional sneak peeks and bonus content so just things of that nature and all of the money that we earn from our Patreons goes towards fees for our website editing software the premium zoom account that we use each month to interview our guests and also a little bit of compensation just for our time and the effort that we put in to make this show possible, so we appreciate any and all support that we get, even if it's just in the form of sharing our episodes with a friend who you think may enjoy it. Whatever it is that you can do, we appreciate it so, so much, and we just wanted to take a moment to thank all of you for making this show possible. Now, let's get into today's episode. Surprise, we're back. Surprise, we're liars. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Shocker. I feel like we've done this before where we say that we're going to take a break or like we won't have an episode next week and then we somehow always end up coming back. I feel like there's just too much to talk about. Yeah. I have a lot of thoughts, feelings, emotions, and there's a lot going on right now. A lot of discussion on the internet. And just things I feel like it's better to address or discuss now while it's still relevant. We couldn't sit on the sidelines for this one. Right. So... We were in St. Louis last weekend to watch the Olympic trials in person. We had an amazing time. We were there with our friend Sarah, if you happened to catch last week's episode. And in that episode, we talked about our kind of last minute Olympic team predictions, which ended up being Ron, at least on my behalf. And I Sarah's was right. Half. Well, kind of right. Half right. So I guess Grace on the team and then I had Riley personally in the individual spot not Michaela Skinner. Yeah. But we'll get into that. Yeah. So there's a lot of thoughts on, you know, how the team was selected, all of that, but That aside, I think the meet itself was incredible. The energy in the arena was amazing. It was was really so good. It was an electric atmosphere. There was over 20,000 people in the stands. That was on the second day of competition. I think women's day one had like 17,000, so still a lot. Yeah. And then the men had less. I think they had 10,000 one day and 13,000 on the second day, which is really great for a men's competition. Yeah. Either way, huge crowd and with COVID and everything. I said this yesterday because we were watching the Golden Documentary in the first couple episodes, they talk about Winter Cup. And that me, earlier this year, it was just the parents. They still had a lot of cardboard cutouts in the audience. So to go from that to Olympic trials, where they have this record-breaking crowd. Yeah, no cardboard cutouts in (laughs) sight. Yeah, there wasn't room for cardboard cutouts. I mean, that place was packed. Um, it, it really was just an incredible atmosphere in there. You could just feel it. Yeah. And I think just the spirit of the Olympics and the Olympic trials and seeing people's dreams come true. It, it's just such a special environment to be in. And it was, you know, one of our biggest dreams and our biggest goals as gymnastics fans to go to the Olympic trials and maybe someday the Olympics. So we'll see you on that. I, I'm sure we'll make it happen at some point. But just to check the Olympic trials off our bucket list was huge for us. Yeah. So what was one of your favorite moments, even just aside from the competition, what was one of your favorite moments from just being there in that arena and experiencing it all in person? I have so many, Mm -hmm. Um, and we probably have a lot of similar ones, so I'll say my personal favorite. I think this is my top one, and then we'll see what you say, and then we can have discussion from there. I'm going to go with the standing ovation for Simone Biles. Yeah, that was mine. It was so crazy, and every time Simone moves... Anytime she does gymnastics, whether it's in competition or in warm-ups where she's just walking by and she waves to somebody in the crowd, the crowd just goes wild. Mm -hmm. So she didn't have the best day, day two of competition. She seemed really disappointed in herself. And I know in the press conference afterwards, she said that, you know, all of these people came out to see me and I wanted to put on a good show for them and... They bought tickets and... The business side of Simone was worried about all the people and the ticket sales and how everyone came to see her and she did bad. (laughs) That kind of makes me sad Mm -hmm. because I feel like we were all just so happy to see her and to have her be doing, you know, some of the big skills like the double-double off beam and her triple-double on floor. Like, we were just so happy to be there and witness her gymnastics regardless. So it makes me sad that after having a, you know, a somewhat mediocre day in Simone Biles terms, that was her first thought, which is being disappointed in herself for not doing better when she's amazing. And she made the Olympic team for the second time in her career. In reality, no one actually cares. And that's probably hard for her to understand. But, like, just seeing her is incredible. Her doing anything is incredible. She could go out there and do cartwheels and we would all be amazed with her. Right. So like, we don't actually care. Simone, you didn't have the best meet. Like, you're still a legend and we still love you. we were just honored to be in your presence. Especially knowing that that might potentially be the last time we see her compete in the United States. I mean, that's not for certain yet. She hasn't actually officially said that this is 100% going to be her last Olympics, but... There's been some alluding to that, I guess. So not really knowing, I think we all kind of just go into it as if it might be. And that made it even more emotional, too. Yeah. (laughs) That was definitely a very special moment to be a part of. I know, I think the 2012 Olympic trials, when Nastia finished up that meet, she got a standing ovation. So this was kind of the 2021 version of that. (laughs) And we were actually on TV at that point. They did a scan of the crowd. And me and Ashley went back yesterday and watched the broadcast. And we actually when they're doing that scan during the standing ovation, we were in the crowd there. We so you can see p- us. We got pretty lucky with where we were sitting because we were surrounded by pretty much all of the family members for the top That's Suni Lee's parents and family were behind us. The Biles family, the Skinner family were in front of us. McCusker. Uh, yeah, McCusker. We saw her mom. I don't know what her dad looks like, but we saw her mom. The Anne um, Juan's parents. They we were a couple of, rows, yeah. We ended up figuring it out like later because that TV cameras were coming over and interviewing them and I was like, Honey, Oh, that's weird. Like, why, why do they pick these people? And It ended up being Leon Juan's parents. So, yeah. There was family all around us, which that was also really cool just to see, like, their emotions and you could see their nerves. There was one part where Jonas, I forgot at what point it was in the meet, but he had his hands, like, on his head. Like, he was stressed. He was stressing. He was stressing hard and Michaela's hardcore. sister, I think, at one point I saw her doing, like, deep breaths. Like, they they, they looked very, very stressed. Oh, and I, I can imagine, like, I actually, no, I should say I can't imagine. <laughs> how Like emotional and intense that must be for the families. They're so invested. Like we as fans get invested in these athletes' careers, and then imagine being the family members and knowing them on like a personal level. It's just it's a lot to handle. Yeah. Knowing everything that went into it, like behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. And also, I don't know if we said Jordan Child's family. They weren't really in front of us. They were kind of like off to the side, but we still had a really good shot of them. So we could still see everything that was going on. I think they were in the next section over, but yeah, they were still within, you know, eyesight. Yeah yeah what about you what was your favorite moment well i I guess beside the the standing ovation from simone that was really cool to be a part of and just being in the crowd in general like i think the crowd was really energized and like just had a good vibe to it like you could see this on the broadcast as well but there was a point at the end of the meet when the competition was almost over and grace i guess called michaela skinner And the two, like, got up on, like, the vault podium and, like, gave each other a hug after Mm -hmm. the competition. And the crowd just started, like, (laughs) screaming and cheering. And it was, like, it wasn't quite the standing ovation for Simone, but it was, like, loud. Like, you could visibly hear the crowd. Like, something was going on. Like, the the gymnasts on the floor started looking around, like, what's happening. And it's, like, Michaela and Grace are just hugging and the crowd is just cheering. (laughs) Michaela was also really getting the crowd hyped up. You could see it right before vault. I mean, throughout the whole weekend, she was, like, walking around waving. And that's something that I will say. Interacting with fans. Yeah, that maybe makes Michaela special is that she really makes the fans feel special and really expresses through her actions how grateful she is that they're all there, you know, to watch. Yeah. And yeah, she waves to people in the stands and right before vault, she was like throwing her arms up in the air as of saying like, come on, make some noise. And yeah. It was just, cool. It's very like yo mol vibes. Yeah. And you don't see that a lot on the women's side. So I don't know. I thought it was cool that, you know, she's bringing that energy and like that college atmosphere to elite gymnastics, because something that she pointed out, too, was that you know at Utah, she's used to competing in front of 13,000 fans, but this crowd was even bigger than what Utah is competing in front of, and they have a massive crowd. So I think this is maybe the biggest stage that any athlete has competed on. I don't know the uh, attendance numbers for the Olympics. It's probably more than that. I would imagine (laughs) that it was. But still, I mean... Even that, Simone was the only one who had been to the Olympics previously. So for every single girl at that meet aside from Simone that is for sure the biggest crowd they've ever competed yeah in front of. It's, it's definitely up there with the highest and Yul Moldauer said that it, and I think Sam McHulick actually said it too it felt very much like a world championship so yeah really cool to have that atmosphere you know in the United States for Olympic trials Something else I want to mention, this was also shown on the broadcast, Jordan Childs after her floor routine. So we didn't actually see, because of where we were sitting, which our seats were great, by the way, we were by floor, um, only a few rows up, so we were relatively close to the floor. You could see everything very well. But you You can't see facial expressions that well. Um, so if somebody has tears rolling down their cheek, you can't really tell that. So Jordan was actually upset looking, or like, I'm getting emotional, yeah. i say. not upset, but she was emotional before her floor routine. We didn't actually know that at the time. We, we realized that after the fact, but I, th- I probably just thought she was wiping sweat off her face or something. Right. Honestly, same. But she had an amazing floor routine. One of the best floor routines that she's ever done, which is saying a lot because she does very, very, very amazing floor work. Yeah. Super consistent. I feel like time and time again, her floor routine just looks the same. Mm -hmm. And that's a really great quality to have. Yeah. So after her floor she nailed it. She starts crying. She's, you know, bent over with her hands in her face and um, her family's freaking out, crying. It was just such a beautiful moment to be able to witness that. I agree. And for Grace McCallum, you know, we mentioned before the moment where Michaela and Grace hugged. That final spot, that fourth spot, really was coming down to those two. And Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people in the crowd knew that. I think they, deep down in their hearts, probably knew that was going to be the case. Yeah, because after the first day of competition, Michaela was in fourth. And after the second day, Grace was in fourth. Yes. So not only is that just a great display of sportsmanship on both their behalf, It, it goes to show you just like... The kind of people that they actually are. that To put the competition and the rivalry in this, they're essentially the, the one spot for their Olympic dream, just aside, just to have that moment together where they embrace each yeah. other, it was so beautiful. Yeah. I'm chills right now. As the respect that. that they have for each other as athletes to, yeah, like you said, to put everything aside for just a moment and be like you just did a good job yeah. and give the other person a hug. And my reason for bringing up Grace again was because another moment that I really, you know, noticed and appreciated and loved was the cheer when Grace was announced to the team. So the arena was dark and you could see the shadows of the girls as they were walking out. So we we were kind of looking at that fourth person and we realized pretty quickly that it wasn't Michaela. Um, So we knew that it was going to be Grace but I, I don't know how close Everyone else in the crowd was looking. We were like on it the second we saw the team walking out. We're like, okay, zoning in that fourth person. Who it's still it. hard to see though with how dark it is. Yes, but when they announced Grace's name as the fourth person, I feel like she got the loudest cheers mm-hmm. out of everybody. And we actually have a video on our Instagram story for the podcast. So all things Jim Pad on Instagram. It's a very long story, so only watch it if you have time. You have to click through it's a little saved, bit. It's saved as a highlight now on our page. Yes. And um, you can kind of tell from that video as somebody who was standing in the crowd that the cheers were loud all around for everybody. But I feel like when I got to Grace, there was like an eruption. Like mm-hmm. that was the moment that everybody was waiting for. And then Michaela was announced as the other individual along with Jade Carey. I guess we should probably real quickly just say the whole <laughs> Olympic team. We're like talking about everybody, but not actually saying like who the Olympic team is. So it was Simone Biles, Suni Lee. She got second. Um, she may, remained in second both days of competition, which is super impressive. Repeated her performance from Nationals a few weeks prior. And perhaps most impressively, is that a word, impressively? It, it can be now if you want <laughs> to. Be. It, it is now. <laughs> she actually beat Simone on that second day of competition. So we always talk about how Simone is undefeated, and she's been undefeated since 2013. I mean, technically, at the end of the competition, Simone still won because mm-hmm. it's a two-day event. But if you look at the scores just from that second day of competition, Suni actually came out ahead. And Suni had a phenomenal meet. And really she, the whole weekend. She but. didn't get better, though. Like, her bars that day, she didn't get the 6-8 start value. Yep. Um, She's still doing a 3 pass floor routine. So the fact that she was able to do that well and capitalize on Simone's mistakes without all of her difficulty... Um, it's not concerning. I'm, let's not, let's be real. It's not concerning at all. Um, we fully expect Simone to win the Olympics, but it does kind of like, you know, make you raise an eyebrow just a little bit. Like, huh, maybe Simone isn't as... Invincible. Yes. Invincible as we all thought she was. It is possible to beat her because if that was just one singular competition and it wasn't a two day total combined, mm-hmm. Suni would have won. Yeah. So if that was the Olympic all around final, Suni would have won. Right. Exactly. So just interesting to know. I don't necessarily expect that to happen at the Olympics, but who knows? Either way, super, super happy for Suni, especially after the last year, year and a half that she's had with you know her dad's accident. And becoming paralyzed having two relatives i think it was an aunt and uncle mm-hmm. passed away unexpectedly from covid um just her, her. injury yeah yeah she's been through so much so to have her spot be that second one that was locked up I know that meant a lot to her that was something you know press conference before the trial started that she said that she wanted to do she she felt the pressure to get second because she had done it at nationals and I'm very happy for her and relieved that she was able to do that for herself Mm -hmm. and then Jordan Childs she finished third we've all heard her story how she wanted to quit gymnastics in 2018 I think she she actually said that out loud to the arena Mm because they were interviewing her on NBC but we could also hear in the arena and she said how she wanted to quit in 2018 but obviously did not give up. She switched gyms to train with Simone and Everything just worked out great for her. Yeah, she's having a breakout year and it's all coming together at just the perfect time for her. So I'm so, so proud of her and so happy that her dream is finally being realized. And that's going to make for a really interesting battle in Tokyo for that second all-around spot. Obviously, you're going to assume Simone's going, but between Suni and Jordan, I feel like they're kind of neck and neck. And if one makes a mistake, the other is going to be right there to capitalize on it. So that's something to look forward to for Tokyo, I'd say. And then we mentioned Grace on the team as well. Perhaps, maybe, the biggest surprise of the team, like you mentioned, that's the one spot that was really up in the air. There was a couple people that could have filled in on that spot. And I think maybe this is the spot where there's the most opinions on because I think when you look at the highest scoring team potential, Michaela Skinner actually makes more sense on the four-person team. Yeah, and that's something that we talked about last week because Sarah and I both actually ended up going with Michaela Skinner as our fourth person on the team. I think a lot of people had that. And my justification for that was that her vault alone... It's been so consistent and so incredible that she can add to the team total quite a bit with just that one event. Mm-hmm. Obviously, she has the potential to do other events. She's not horrible on floor. I mean, I think that there's concern that her her moors, her Lido double-double, would get downgraded and there'd be issues with the start value. It's a valid concern. And her consistency on both bars and beams isn't quite what you would want it to be, I would think. To feel comfortable putting her up in a team final, if need be. Mm -hmm. So it was hard, because you understand the concerns with having her on the team, but you also feel strongly that she's doing everything that she needs to do. She's proving that she can finish fourth, you know, like the first day of trials. She was definitely getting better and better. I I think her trajectory was going up. Yes. which She looked so confident both days. Like, that meet was hers. Like, she had it in the palm of her hand about, like, Mm -hmm. Like she... I wasn't watching Mikayla between both days of competition and feeling nervous for her. Like, I just knew that she was going to nail it. Yeah. And I think just having that confidence in an athlete is exactly what someone like Tom Forster would want on the team. That was kind of my thinking behind it. As if, you know, as a fan who watches the sport closely, if I'm so confident in her ability to go up on at least the two events that you would possibly need her on... Or even you could argue just both alone. Do you know that she's gonna hit? She's gonna get a big score. What more could you want? Yeah, you know. And I am really torn about Michaela because I, in some ways, I think she definitely deserves to be on the team. But then I also think, well, first of all, I should say I'm really happy that she's going to the Olympics just with the journey that she's been on and. I think people forget that this is her third go around. She didn't make it to trials in 2012. She was an alternate in 2016, actually placed fourth at trials and was still put as an alternate. Mm-hmm. And to have her make it this time around, I think is just so special. And she's been through a lot to get to this point. A lot of hate from people online. There's been articles where they call her the most hated gymnast on the planet. Yeah. And, you know, she had COVID and was dealing with, you know, trying to come back after having... COVID and being hospitalized and, you know, building her endurance back up. And she's also had injuries and a lot of pain and she's just worked through so much. So to see her actually get named the Olympic team after all that time. Well, named as a, as a specialist. Well, yes. Yeah. I mean, it's still team USA, but to see her be able to say, you know, finally that she's an Olympian, I'm. I'm very happy for her. Yes, and you can have your opinions on Michaela. Like this, we're not talking about who she is as a person or what she stands for, or any of her beliefs or anything like that. We're just talking about her gymnastics and her journey in the sport. And I think that you kind of have to respect that a little bit just the journey yeah. that she's been on to get to this point and, and that's coming from two people and we've said this before I'm not afraid to admit it I was somebody who was very critical of Michaela both her gymnastics and some of her you know past behavior with, yeah her retweeting things or saying things and you know maybe being a little bit cocky you could say um, we've been very very critical of her in the past for those things and I, and I do think that she should be held accountable to some extent for some of those things those concerns mm-hmm. that's not really what we're talking about though we're trying to just focus on her her gymnastics and you know what she can bring to the team and in the areas that she has improved. And so, you know, for those reasons, it's nice to see her being named and actually gonna have the shot to go to the Olympics. But at the same time, it's like I don't know if she makes a lot of sense as a specialist just for the sheer fact that another USA athlete is going to get screwed over. Mm -hmm. And this is where Tom comes into the equation because it's like, why would he allow this to happen? Because obviously you have Simone powerhouse on vault and floor. She's going to make those event finals. And then you already, for the longest time we've known that Jade Carey was going to go as well. And vault and floor also her strengths. And then you have Michaela, who you know, like we've already said, you could argue that she probably wouldn't get into the floor final anyways because of her execution. But Val, absolutely, she has a shot of getting not only into the finals but meddling. And so it's like one of those three, really one of those two, meaning Michaela or Jade is going to get two per country out of the final. And why would we <laughs> set ourselves up for that? Why Are we're we- bringing someone to Tokyo just to get two per country? Right. Essentially, so if they wanted Michaela on the team, they should have put her on the team because that way her vault would be useful for the team for some score. Yes, like but she would be guaranteed a medal. She would be guaranteeing a huge vault score for Team USA, or vice versa with Jade. And then, with Jade on the team. That I mean, that would that would have heads would have rolled for yeah. sure. But I'm just saying, it doesn't make sense to utilize your two individual spots for the same strengths. for the same strengths to have two vaulting specialists when you have Simone Biles on your team. That's three gymnasts who are going to vie for a spot in the vault finals. Only two are going to make it. Why did we not utilize one of those strong vaults either for the team or utilize another gymnast who's capable of getting a spot in an event final, possibly a medal, on a different event like Riley McCusker? Exactly. So here's where I was thinking, you know, leading up to Olympic trials, I was kind of just sitting back and was like, I'd be okay with whatever happens because I do – care so much about all these athletes I really just want them all to make it, which don't we all, <laughs> but I feel like I liked Grace going for the sheer fact that she had that world championship experience and I think that when it comes to being able to contribute on more than one event, she's more useful and if something does happen in Tokyo, which knock on wood, it doesn't happen. You know, Grace could go up and do beam. She could go up and do floor. She has a great double on vault. And also, just side note, she is working on upgrades. I, I, I asked her that in the press conference afterwards. She is still working on her two vaults. She's working on a completely different bar routine, she said. Didn't say exactly what, but completely different bar routine. Gonna rework a couple things on beam. Nothing major, but just to make it more consistent. And then also potentially adding in the light up full in on floor, but also just more working on consistency there. But she improved a lot. And that's something we said in our last week's episode you know, she was kind of a hot mess at Nationals, and that's why I personally at that point in time didn't have her on my team, mm-hmm. because I wasn't super impressed with her performance from mainly Nationals, but also a little bit of Classics, but she was a different athlete at Trials. But, remind you, she did place fourth at Classics, even if it wasn't her best Me, I mean, I think she did enough, and yeah, she didn't have a best competition at Nationals, but she did come back strong at Olympic Trials, and I think she made a solid argument for why she does deserve to be on that team, and I, I don't think it doesn't make sense no it does i i totally understand the argument to have grace on the team and i and i'm for it I'm, I'm happy for her i just i think it's the individual spot that's a little bit harder to justify i would have been okay either way with michaela or grace on the team but the thing is it's it's one of them and the other one doesn't go because they, neither of them make sense, in my opinion, as a, specialist. The, as a specialist. They both Mix. Can contribute something to the team. Yes. And there are other girls who are stronger and they fit that puzzle piece for the specialist spot. Like Riley McCusker, I think that she's one of the best bar workers by far in the United States, but even arguably in the world. And she did have a fall the second day of trials, but I did not think that that was really going to hurt her chances. I wasn't worried about it. I was so confident that she was going to be the specialist. So confident. That was one of the spots that I was least worried about. Yeah. And then there's also someone like Kara Aker. She's obviously a great beam worker. Leanne Juan had a phenomenal day of competition on the second day. Um, I don't know if she would have been the specialist necessarily either, but I think for sure Kara or Riley was really who I was thinking were in contention for that specialist spot and like you said yeah to, to not see really riley was the one that i was hoping and really i was pretty dang confident that she was going to be that specialist spot. and yeah not only did she not make the team she didn't even get an alternate spot which i have a lot of feelings about because the usa could send up to five alternates and they only selected four they selected kayla DiCello, Kara Aker, Leanne Wan, and MML Abuyo, which, yay, that's super exciting. Especially yes. after finishing fourth at Nationals, the journey that she's been on. Oh, she totally deserved it. So that was kind of a happy ending. But then, like, can we not take a fifth? Like, why are we not why taking a fifth? Right. And with Riley and everything that she's been through. And, I mean, not that that matters in the eyes of Tom Forster when it comes to selecting a team. Like, I get we can't always select teams on feelings. But she but was a legitimate medal contender on an yet. event. Yeah. Like, let's not act like she was having a rough performance all the way through and, like, just didn't do enough. Like, she had done enough this year, in my opinion, to Mm -hmm. prove at least on that one event she was good enough to be a specialist. Yeah, because she could have easily made it into that final, and it would make more sense to have, you know, two girls in every final that could potentially medal. And you could argue on bars, like, Simone has come a long way, and she actually could, you know, very well medal on bars as well this Olympics. Like, depending on, like, what happens. But no, she's definitely not a favorite to even win a medal, I would say, on that event. Yeah. Riley... Could have been. Yeah. And obviously, Suni is the biggest contender for gold from the United States. But I don't know. I just think Riley made more sense on the team as a specialist than Michaela. And like I said, I think I'm not opposed to Michaela being on the team, but it should have been her or Grace. And like, I think that Tom, the biggest issue that a lot of I know the gymnasts, like Michaela Skinner called time out for this, and, and you know people in the gym tonight were talking about it. The biggest concern that we have is that I don't think that the criteria for making the team was very clear to the athletes. Oh, because, Grace McCallum said too. She, she wasn't told. Like, yes. It ended up really being that he just took the top all-around athletes, kind of like we predicted that he would, but I think there was a lot of athletes who were under the impression that they could only do you know a couple of events and still be in contention, or that they didn't have to necessarily be having – you know to place in the top five or the top six or whatever like i think that if the expectation was that he was taking essentially the top five as you know the four on the team and the fifth person was going to be the specialist if that was the expectation that should have been laid out to the gymnasts first and foremost but also like the media like why not just be you know transparent about it. Since we love to use the word with USA Gymnastics in transparency, um, I think that was an opportunity to be transparent with the athletes. Mm-hmm. And I feel like with something as big as the Olympic Games, they should know how to make that Olympic team. Like, mm-hmm. That should be laid out very clearly. It should not be a guessing game. I, I think it was Michaela that said it. You know, she's waiting back in that room, and it, the athletes are all kind of joking, like, it's, it's a guessing game. Like, for them to be sitting back there and be clueless as to if they've done enough or what they actually had to do to get on the team, it just feels wrong, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. That's not how it should be. Yeah, and I want to circle back to Riley for just a moment because I... I'm still so heartbroken for her just you know even a couple days later I I just feel so terrible for her for not only everything that she's been through but then to also have her you know Olympic dream kind of come crashing down and it's unfortunate with how good she was looking like I think that her gymnastics and her power on vault and her floor we didn't get to see her compete floor but we've seen clips of her in training and she looked so much better and I think that we were all really hopeful that she had a shot as an all-around at one point in time yeah she looked so much better and so much improved than she did back when she was with Maggie Haney at MG Elite yeah and I think to, to couple with the you know disappointment of not making the team she's also now unfortunately being you know bullied by people from her past you know former coaches at MG Elite former teammates at MG Elite just completely dismissing her abuse, her experience as a gymnast under Maggie Haney, body shaming, which was really, really disappointing and disgusting to me. Um, Talking about, you know, the shape that she's in and how she can't handle this. She can't handle being an elite level athlete. Um, Relishing in her loss and, you know, not qualifying to the team, not even being named an alternate. To see certain people really like i said relishing in that and getting satisfaction out of the fact that she didn't you know have her dream come true um and calling it karma is super, super disgusting to me mm-hmm. and incredibly frustrating. And I, I you hope that Riley's not seeing it, but you know deep down that it's somehow, some way, probably getting back to her. And I think it just compounds the issues that she's probably dealing with right now. Like I said, dealing with possibly one of the biggest, at least at this point in time, one of the biggest disappointments of her life. Um, and then having so many issues from your past being brought up and almost kind of re-traumatizing you. I, my heart goes out to her. And... To have them all acting like this is karma and, you know, that she almost, like, deserved it or she had it coming. and yeah. re- When in reality, she was looking better than she ever had. And in a sport like gymnastics, injuries happen all the time. And it was an unfortunately timed injury that really, you could argue, 100% kept her off the team. Because if she hadn't have injured her foot, which I don't even know if we actually ever got an official word on what the injury was. Mm-mm. But she did injure her foot. We all saw it on TV at class. and you know if she hadn't have done that she would have been on the team or at the very least the individual but I think on the team or even an alternate like she would have gotten something and you know for them to be acting like what she couldn't have done this without Maggie and like this is proof as to why like this is what you get for tarnishing I'm putting this in air quotes I'm not saying this but this is kind of like what they're saying like tarnishing the reputation of somebody who would have done anything for you and uh so much about it is wrong. So much about it is so frustrating. Um, I think one of the things that I'm most annoyed with is that these people. So I guess we could specify who they are. And if this conversation makes you uncomfortable or it's triggering in any way, um, please feel free just to fast forward a Um, a couple minutes, five, maybe five-ish minutes. I would say. I mean, it's hard to predict how long we're gonna be talking about something, but. I mean, I think for the most part, the Olympic talk is over, and now we're just we're talking about this. Yeah. So. I, it's Carly who is Maggie Haney's sister, and she's the one that you hear. Um, and apparently, on MG Elite's website, they have this too—that she's like credited as like bringing, you know, spotting Lori and bringing her to Maggie and saying like, "You need to check out this girl; she's amazing." Like it was literally in like her bio. It's like her, um, like, like her, tag- her tagline or her yeah, to fame. her claim to fame. Yep. Um. Then there was a coach at a gym called Envision. Angela Andrews, she was posting stuff on Facebook, and Maggie Haney was liking it, um, a former MGL gymnast, Courtney Hortzman, um, a lot of her stuff was circulating on Twitter, and she had a Twitter that she was tweeting, like, these nasty things from, and, uh, I don't necessarily want to, like, read any of the stuff. There's a, um, Dr. Sam actually compiled a Google Doc with all of these screenshots. I guess we could link it below, unless we don't feel like that's appropriate, but. No, we can link it below, and then I guess just look at it at your own discretion. Yeah, I don't necessarily want to, like, say exactly what they were saying or, like, read tweets. Like, you can look that up yourself if you want. But she, like I said, is a former gymnast at MGLE, current coach at Sapphire Gymnastics. Um, I think this behavior is extremely inappropriate. So for, you know, those two people who currently are coaching young gymnasts, I would just encourage you to reach out to that gym and let them know, what's been going on, why it's upsetting, why it's a problem that these two people, these two individuals are working with young athletes when they are contributing to um, a toxic culture, um, not only within USA Gymnastics, but also, you know, the, the bullying of a former athlete. In an environment where an athlete can't feel safe coming forward with their own complaints or their own issues, because why would they do that when they see how you've handled somebody else who's come forward with their abuse and their problems with your coaching method? and you know you're shutting them out publicly and making them out to be a liar, and dragging their name through the mud, shaming them, all these horrible things, wishing, basically wishing bad on them, yeah, and getting a kick out of their failures. And for the record, we're not saying, we're not calling it a failure. Yeah, um, They're referring to it as a failure. Yes. They're viewing it as a failure. Yeah. Riley is one of the most accomplished gymnasts of this quad. Um, She's a world champion, a former national champion on the even bars. Like, She has so much to be proud of from her career and not making it to the olympics doesn't take away from that and it doesn't take away from the amazing things that she's going to do in the future whether that's continuing as an elite or at the university of florida she has great things in store for her but no athlete is going to feel comfortable coming forward in an environment where these people are coaching yes exactly so they need to be gone honestly Because it's disgusting the way that they're handling this. And it's not even like it's a private conversation. Not that that would make it okay either, but at least that way no one would have to see it. The fact that they're stupid enough to do this publicly (laughs) um, really speaks to (laughs) what they're like as people. I know. We tweeted this on our Triple Twist account. And I feel like it's just so fitting and it's true. Like... This speaks volumes to the kind of people that they are, and I think all of the complaints that have come forward, whether it was from Riley, Lori, any of the gymnasts that were anonymous that came forward, they're literally just proving them right. Yeah. Like, they're pretty much saying, hey... Look at how big of an asshole I am. Excuse my language, guys. But it's like they're just not even trying to hide it. They're sure. They're literally putting on display for the world to see how bitter they are, how angry they are, how nasty they are, how immature they are. Yeah. So many different words you can use to describe them. Their true colors are showing through their actions on social media and the way that they're responding to all. And they're too stupid to realize it. That's the thing. I'm like. You realize? Like, somebody commented on our that tweet on Triple Twist that I was talking about. And it's somebody who is, I'm assuming it's like a Maggie Haney Burner account, honestly. Like, <laughs> she's probably the one running it. But his account wh- is followed by Maggie Haney and like very few other people. It's very sus. But that account said something to us about how we're bullying um, this Courtney Hortzman girl. And I'm like, and what are, y-? I didn't say this to them, but in my head, I'm like, and what are y'all doing? Because th- th- we're literally, the outrage is around the fact that grown adults are bullying a former gymnast who left an environment because she didn't feel like it was the right environment for her, trashing her name, dragging her through the mud, and then relishing and the fact that her Olympic dream didn't come true, and also making comments about her weight, and the kind of gymnast that she was, and how she can't handle pressure, and blah, 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 all these things, and you want to talk to me about bullying? Makes a lot of sense oh it's so f- infuriating to me and that's partially why I think I wanted to make this episode this week because it's so fresh and we also wanted to talk about the Olympics and how we're proud of all the girls who did make it and all the beautiful moments of seeing people's dreams come true but also thinking about those girls who didn't work out for this time around and then uh, just dealing with all the side stuff that Riley doesn't deserve to be dealing with right now I seriously hope That she's not seeing it. Mm -hmm. I have suspicion that she probably does. And it's hard because, like, for example, Lori, she follows us. And, you know, it's hard for us to talk about things and share things knowing that they're probably seeing it. Because at one point, this was like months ago... Lori actually DM'd us, because it was something similar. It was about, you know, Maggie Haney and this Riley and, and Lori. the lawsuit. Yeah, but when we were talking about, I don't even remember what it was at that point in time, but Lori, oh, I remember, actually, it just came to me. Somebody was saying something to us about how we shouldn't be sharing it because we're contributing to, like... the the re-traumatization of the athletes by talking about it and sharing it. And we were like, no, we need to be talking about this because that's how you hold people accountable and that's how you get change. And I said something about how, like, I think that if Riley and Lori were to see this, they would feel better knowing that people have their backs and that the gym is like going to bat for them and that we're defending them and saying some of the things that need to be said, but they maybe don't have the energy to say at that point in time. Mm -hmm. And so my point with saying this is that Lori actually message us and said that her and Riley were talking and they saw our tweets and they appreciate it and all of that so with that being said it's hard sometimes because I feel like I'm hesitant to share things on this topic or say things on this topic knowing that they're probably going to hear it or see it Mm -hmm. um but there's a bigger part of me that thinks it's the right thing to do and I would rather see have them see us standing up for them and this includes the whole dream tonight not just us but like everybody as a whole standing up for them and doing the right thing instead of just not talking about it and hoping it'll go away because i don't think this is going away anytime soon unfortunately yeah i feel like not talking about it is not the solution like just pretend like it didn't happen and don't talk about it I don't feel like that's really accomplishing anything. Like, you think you are protecting the athletes by doing that, but really, I think you're just letting it be known that, like, we're all afraid to say something. Yes, which and is- We're the, gonna let this go under the, under the rug. Which is what Maggie and her little entourage want to happen and exactly what we're not going to let happen. So, Jim Trinet, this is our call to action for you. Keep using your voice. Keep being passionate. I, th- I know that the gymnasts see it and they appreciate it and- Keep reaching out to the right people. Tag USA Gymnastics. Tag Lily Young, Send emails. I think emailing people is a really big thing. Put it together a really nice, professional-sounding email outlining the concerns that you have. Tag journalists. Yeah, media. I've been tagging Scott Reed and stuff because he's in, on it. He's like perfect. in the past. He's been the one that's covered a lot of you know the fallout from the whole USA Gymnastics Larry Nasser scandal. And I've tagged him in things in the past and given him information for stories, and he's pursued it very very quickly. Yeah. And, like, he'll have an article up within a couple hours. Yes. And, you know, using people with big platforms like that also helps it to reach a larger audience and go past and beyond the gym internet. Yeah. So, all communication around this is important. Anything that you say or do, every retweet, every comment on a post... All of that is very, very helpful. Kind of diverting from this topic just a little bit, um, the Golden documentary came out, at least the first three episodes at the time that we're recording this, and a couple things from this really stood out to me. Um, I want to say that the relationship between Lori and Jenny at Gymnacs is so beautiful. And I think it's really evident in this docuseries just how supportive Jenny has been towards Lori and, you know, some of her insecurities. And you literally see it on display. Yeah. Like, during Winter Cup, Lori was... Well, first of all, she, I think, was nervous to be competing for the first time and didn't necessarily feel comfortable going for a more difficult pass. Mm -hmm. So she had Jenny go over and talk to Tom about how she was basically going to be downgrading her routine. And I I think that we know from things that Lori has said in the past that if you know it was a, a different coach, a previous coach, that I think Lori would have been forced to do something that she wasn't comfortable doing because it looked better yeah. so that way you could say laurie's back and she's doing her full difficulty i think that laurie wasn't afraid i think it's beautiful that laurie was not afraid to speak up to her coach and say i don't think i can do this i'm not comfortable with this but even bigger than that the fact that jenny was going to tom forster and advocating for laurie on her behalf so that way laurie could focus on her competition and doing what she needed to do i yeah. have chills i literally yeah. have chills right and now and she also did it Right before Lori got on the beam, they didn't show exactly what the the chief complaint was from Lori, but there was something about the cameraman maybe being in her line of sight, and maybe Too that was close. making her nervous. But we see Jenny go over, like, right as Lori is about to salute, and be like, can you move over? Can you move over? Like, you know, basically telling him to stand back. And that's just so great that she's yeah. looking out for Lori that way. Yeah. And I also wanted to point out that... You could see a little bit of the doubts in Lori as well, and maybe a little bit of what she went through, you know, previously, and the fact that she said to Jenny after Jenny came back and said, I told Tom, you know, about the floor pass and whatever, and Lori was like, was he, was he mad? Her first thought was, is he mad that I'm downgrading my routine? Instead of being happy or proud that she's, like, that she knows what's best for herself and that they're advocating what's in her best interest. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, very interesting. I think it's very telling about a lot of things that we already know with Lori and the things that she's experienced in the past. But I think we really saw it on display like firsthand in this documentary. And I really, really like that. Not just for Lori, but you know, for all the athletes that are featured in this, you really do get like a behind-the-scenes look of what their life is like and everything that goes into making an Olympic team. As far as, like, the conversations, all the way down to that, like, that's the stuff that you normally don't see or hear. Even when you're watching a broadcast on on NBC, you occasionally will hear, you know, a comment or two, like Grace from Trial, saying, why am I like this? (laughs) Or Simone, you know, saying, that was horrible, or whatever. she said I want to die. Yeah, whatever stuff Simone says all the time. Like, you hear comments like that, but it's not very often that you hear the conversations between the coaches and what the parents are saying up in the stands and what tom forster is saying while things are happening and you really just got this complete look of everything that's going on Mm -hmm. during winter cup so far that's what we've made it through so far in this documentary but when also connor i'm really interested in the future episodes to see kind of how this gym change went about from revolution her previous Mm gym, to woga We could see on Connor's face in the meets, I think, how stressed she was and um, feeling the pressure of having, you know, all of the media attention. And I feel bad because I feel like we even contributed to it a little bit. Like, we had her on our podcast and we were talking about, like, how she's eligible for the Olympics. And I'm like, oh, my God, did I stress her out? (laughs) Did we just add to her complex? No, I wouldn't feel bad about it because... It is what it is. Like I feel like it's natural. Like She was the best junior, and, and now it's like you're suddenly eligible for the you're... Olympics. So obviously, you're going to look to someone like her. Yes, and as hard as it is, and as much as you don't want to contribute to the pressure for these athletes, it is kind of what they just deal with when they're at this level, and they, they do have to expect it. As much as you don't want to make them feel more pressure, when you're a high-level, elite-level gymnast and you know you're as good as someone like connor and now all of a sudden you're eligible for the olympics and <laughs> everyone's talking about people that. are going to talk about that and people are going to want to interview you and it is going to become a storyline whether you like it or not so yeah i would try not to feel too bad about that <laughs> i i think if anything i hope that connor just appreciates the support i've talked to her mom a little bit and she has texted me and said that like she appreciates all our support of connor and stuff so I wouldn't think that we're adding too much pressure to Thanks for to her. reassuring me. I was, I was feeling bad yesterday when I was watching that. I did feel bad, too. You could definitely see how much she was stressing. And and she's so good. Like, mm-hmm. oh, I, I love her. She's going to do so many good things. I feel like just giving her a hug and saying, like, sweetie, don't worry. Like She has plenty of time to shine. So I'm not worried about her. Like, I think that this just isn't her time. And that's fine because it wasn't supposed to be her time anyways. Same with Sky Blakely. She got injured right before trials. And that's unfortunate, because I think she definitely could have been an alternate on that team, but... Also, Emily Lee, we should mention her, too. So the meet, this is the eerie thing about it, the meet literally started with an injury and ended with an injury. So Skye Blakely, literally warming up for the very first event of the entire Olympic trial competition, she gets injured on her run going into, you know, her entry on vault. Don't know the status of that injury, Um, unless Mm -hmm. I missed it I don't think I've seen what it was I don't think I have either and then Emily Lee very last routine of the night all eyes are on her everybody in the arena is watching the TV cameras are finally giving Emily Lee the time of day they're finally giving her her moment and she injures her Achilles on her punch going into her double double so that was a really sad moment and also I guess maybe if we can make it positive and say it was a beautiful moment because she also got a standing ovation so the only two people of the trials to get a standing ovation with Simone Biles and Emily Lee so that is iconic <laughs> yes unfortunate that it had to be under these circumstances of course yeah but. that's really really eerie that that happened yeah but i think that kind of where i was going with that was the good things are ahead emily lee is going to go off to ucla she's going to be a star there mm-hmm. and then sky Blakely, she's going to continue on with a lee again not really knowing the status of her injury it's hard to say like i was originally hoping that worlds this year would be the goal It's hard to say. It's hard to say, not knowing. But either way, I think she's gonna go on to do great things with the rest of her elite career, and then also college someday. Two really great athletes. It's unfortunate to see them go down at Olympic trials, but their time to shine is still coming. I can feel it. Mm -hmm. Also, I want to backtrack. Um, we're talking about, you know, the golden documentary and how we encourage you all to watch it. Cause it's super, super good. Also, maybe disclaimer, we could throw this in here too, real quick. Sorry. My mind is like, I'm like all over the place. Um, there's lots of injury porn. I will say. Yes. Um, they show, I believe it's Faith Torres getting injured and I'm not sure who the other person was. I think it was Levi Young-Ruivovar. Yeah. Was it her? Yes. Are we positive of that? 95% let me look okay yeah I can't find I was hoping that she would have posted something on Instagram or that I could find the tweet I feel like it's not her I don't remember I remember Faith Torres but I'm, I'm not confident that it was I guess either way honestly it doesn't really matter who it was they show two pretty severe injuries um and show the athletes laying on the ground and like the other athletes like connor's reaction to it and like how shaken up she was from seeing it um so that is pretty intense and i guess if you haven't watched it yet this is your disclaimer going in that you know that they are going to show that during the winter cup like segment i believe it was part two yeah part two i believe So just be aware of that but i also wanted to talk about the simone versus herself docuseries on facebook watch the most recent episode in particular um simone talks a lot about her experience growing up in foster care um something that she said in there that i found like really sad and kind of shocking was that she would be like jealous when her mom would feed the cat and not her she would sit there and watch, like, her mom feeding the cat and thinking, when are you gonna feed me? Just for the record, I haven't watched this part yet, so you're you're spoiling it for me, but I love it. Go on. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you watched it. No, not yet. I'm going to do right after this. Okay, well, that happens. Also, just not knowing, like, being in foster care, when she's going home, where she's going next, what's happening for her young age. She was very, very young at the time. And then also how she was eventually split from her older siblings, so um simone and adria were adopted as we know by Nellie and ron biles simone's biological grandparents who she now considers mom and dad they raised her she grew up with them it's her mom and dad um and the older two siblings sorry i don't remember their names off the top of my head they were adopted by a separate set of relatives in a completely different state so just all of that and That's stuff that we don't hear Simone talk about very often. We don't. And we knew that she was adopted. We knew that she had some foster care experience. And I've said this before on the podcast. For the record, I work in foster care. So does Ashley. Actually, we both currently work in foster care. So I think it really resonates with me because I see the trauma that it causes kids and the difficulties that they have, even from a young age. We're talking like three years old, four years old, five years old. I think I have a deeper understanding of what it can actually do to a kid. And I think that makes what Simone is doing now even more incredible. Mm-hmm. We know, we know how amazing she is. We see all these crazy skills that she's doing and, we know her past, you know, with abuse and dealing with USA Gymnastics. But then we also have this foster care experience and some of the trauma that goes along with that. And I think that's something that's overlooked sometimes with Simone. It's a, it's a piece of her story that we don't always acknowledge. Yeah. And I think coming home from the Olympic trials, seeing her make her second Olympic team, and then having this docuseries come out just, you know, two days later, um, the third episode at least of it, and really hearing more details and, like, her thoughts and her feelings as a young kid in regards to that experience it was really emotional. It was really touching. And I think, like I said, it just makes you respect her even more for everything that she's doing now. Yeah, it makes her that much more incredible, I feel like. Yeah. Yeah. And so I am super, super excited for the Tokyo Olympics for a variety of reasons. I'm excited to see Simone thriving. I hope that she has the best me of her life and I hope that she's able to do all her crazy difficulty, but also put together a good me because I think that she's hard on herself and I I know that she wants that for herself. So I also want that for her. And then all these other amazing storylines that we talked about today, I, I hope that I hope that everybody gets what they want out of this experience. I hope it's a good experience for everybody. I hope they get all the medals. And um really, really looking forward to the next couple of weeks. Hoping that everybody stays healthy, most importantly, so we can get to Tokyo. And I'm talking healthy, like, COVID-wise and injury-wise, unfortunately. And we just have to, we, mentally. We have to acknowledge all, yeah, all three, really. They have a long road ahead of them, but I'm excited for Team USA. I think that this is going to be one of the strongest teams that we have yet. So... Um, I'm happy for all of these girls, including the alternates. Very, very exciting for them as they, you know, start their journey now towards Tokyo officially. We hope you guys enjoyed this week's episode, and because this one came out on Saturday, we're not going to have an episode come out on Monday like we normally would. Just kind of count this as your episode for the week. (laughs) The last two weeks, we've uploaded on a Saturday. I'm like, this is our new schedule. We're just suddenly moving to Saturdays without (laughs) telling anyone. (laughs) So this will be the episode for this week, and then next week, we'll be back with another episode where we're going to talk about some of the Olympic protocols and what the Olympics are going to look like for the athletes, because obviously in a COVID year, everything's gonna be a lot different than it normally would so as far as like vaccination statuses covid testing protocols what the athletes are and are not allowed to do while in the olympic village yeah and we're gonna give you the rundown on pretty much all things covid in an olympic year and we'll also do a little update on olympic team announcements from other countries as well yeah we're getting think, down to the final couple yeah i think the only team we're waiting on right now is italy which i believe they're trial or their like last me is going on right now as we're recording this so that we will hopefully have for the next week's episode and we will have our entire field set for the 2021 olympics which is super exciting so until then we hope you guys enjoy the rest of your weekend if you live in the united states we hope you have a happy and safe holiday weekend and even if you don't live in the united states have a happy and safe weekend <laughs> so we will see you guys next week bye bye